0: Hi everyone, welcome back to the Logical Bible Study Podcast. So today's reading that you would hear at Mass is Matthew chapter 8, verses 18 to 22. So as always, we'll read the passage and then we'll try and do an exegesis of the literal sense. What did it mean in its original context? Which of course is where we always should start as Catholics. So here's today's reading from Matthew chapter 8. When Jesus saw the great crowds all about him, he gave orders to leave for the other side. One of the scribes then came up and said to him, "'Master, I will follow you wherever you go.' Jesus replied, "'Foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head.' Another man, one of his disciples, said to him, "'Sir, let me go and bury my father first.' But Jesus replied, follow me and leave the dead to bury their dead. So that's our shorter reading today. It's an interesting one. As always, we wanna start by thinking about the context. What's happened just before this? So Jesus has just begun to do various healings in the Galilee region, and he's starting to get a large following. Now he's currently in Capernaum, which is their home base in Galilee. And if you look at a map of the Holy Land, He's right on the Sea of Galilee in Capernaum, and it's on the northwestern shore. That's where Capernaum is. Now, if you look at Luke's version of this same story, Luke puts this story towards the end of Jesus' life, whereas Matthew here has it basically towards the beginning. So it's possible that Matthew has rearranged the chronology here and placed it earlier in Jesus' life Than when it would have actually happened and Matthew does have a tendency to do that he tends to make theological points rather than focusing on the precise chronology so verse 18 when Jesus saw the great crowds all about him now there's probably thousands of people from the Galilee area that are following him by this point so it really is huge crowds and then Matthew said he gave orders to go over to the other side So, Matthew here tells his disciples to go to the other side of the lake. Now, that would be the Gentile region of the Decapolis. So, that is what's on the other side of the lake. So, for Jesus to tell them to go over there, it would seem that he's telling them to go to Gentile territory. So, there's three main interpretations of why Jesus does this here. Apparently, it's connected in some way to the fact that there's great crowds around Jesus. So, three main theories... It could be that the crowds are getting so large that Jesus is not able to do ministry effectively. Maybe the crowds are suffocating him. And there are some parts later in the Gospels where that appears to be the case. Another interpretation here would be maybe Jesus senses that at this point he has enough Jewish followers based on the crowds. And now it's time for him to go get some Gentile followers. Maybe that's why he tells them to go across to the other side of the lake. Another theory is that maybe Jesus wants to sort out who his true followers are, and he's doing that by seeing who's going to be willing to follow him into Gentile territory, because most Jews wouldn't. So maybe that's what Jesus is doing here. Certainly, this would be his first foreign mission to uh, a part of the world that is not Israel. We get to verse 19, and we hear that one of the scribes... Now, the scribes were like the theological experts of the Old Testament. They knew the manuscripts of the Old Testament better than anyone else. So one of the scribes comes up to Jesus and says to him, master, or you can translate that teacher. Now, we need to keep in mind the way that Matthew places this term. Whenever Matthew has a story where someone calls Jesus master or teacher, it's a term that is really used by people who don't understand who Jesus really is. So they don't fully grasp his identity. Those who do understand Jesus' identity call him Lord. But here, the scribe calls him Master. So that's an indication that maybe he's not really genuine, in a sense. But he says to him, I will follow you wherever you go. So I think from this, we can see that this scribe is genuinely interested in Jesus. And it seems that he does want to be his full-time follower, because he says... I will follow you wherever you go. So that's quite remarkable for a scribe, even if he doesn't fully understand Jesus' identity. But then in verse 20, Jesus says to him, Foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. It's kind of a almost like a poem. It's an allegory, and Jesus uses this here, and it basically means something like this. He's telling the scribe, I live a difficult, itinerant life on the road and I don't have a permanent place to sleep. So maybe the scribe didn't realize that and Jesus is telling him that because that's what he needs to hear. Now, we don't get to see the reaction of the scribe here, but the implication is that the scribe was not prepared to live like that. He doesn't want to live that rough kind of life in order to follow Jesus. Jesus knew that, that's why he brought it up. He's basically telling the scribe Look, you say you want to follow me, but do you really know what it entails? So, it's implied that the scribe was not able to go through with it. Now, many scholars have pointed out, quite rightly, I think, that this is a clear passage where Jesus himself preaches the opposite of a prosperity gospel. He doesn't say, follow me and you'll have wealth. He says, follow me and you'll be poor and have nowhere to sleep. So, it's the opposite of the prosperity message. Verse 21, another man, one of his disciples. So, we introduce to someone else now. Probably not one of the apostles because... As we'll see here, this man is not willing to leave his family. But we know by this point the apostles basically have already left their families. It's said that in chapter 4. So we have here a follower of Jesus, a disciple of Jesus, but probably not one of his apostles. And he says to Jesus, Sir, let me go and bury my father first. So what's going on here? There's different interpretations of why this man wants to bury his father. Certainly burying relatives Was an important duty in the jewish faith that's in exodus 20 it's in tobit chapter 4 so this man is trying to do something honorable by burying his father now it seems unlikely that the man's father is actually dead yet possibly it could refer to this custom of reburying a father's bones one year after his death that was a a key responsibility of the son of the family so maybe that is what's going on here and maybe uh, maybe the man's father is dead and he wants to bury his bones a year after. That's possible. But it's also possible that the man's father is not dead. It's just that he suspects that his father will die soon. That's possible. So maybe the man here, the disciple of Jesus, is saying something like, once my father has passed away and I've taken care of that, then I can devote myself to following Jesus full time. So the fact that he says this either on either interpretation, it would suggest that he's... Hesitant to commit to Jesus full-time now. He's got other things on his mind and he's not willing to give those things up to follow Jesus. Some scholars think that this is just a Jewish idiom when he says, I need to bury my father. Maybe that's a Jewish way of saying, I need to care for my aging father. That's perhaps a Jewish way of just describing looking after your father. If that's the case, then maybe this man, this disciple of Jesus, is just coming up with an excuse to indefinitely delay following Jesus. Many scholars do see this man as basically procrastinating. He's heard the call of Jesus and he's sort of half-followed him, but he's not willing to give it all up. He says, I'll commit myself to you full-time later in life, but not yet. So he's a model of a procrastinator. And if that's the right interpretation, he has a lot to say to us as modern Christians today who are not willing to give Jesus our all, and we place other things before Jesus. So there's a lot we can learn here about uh, this man. Verse 22, this is what Jesus says in response to that. He says to the man, follow me. That's the first thing he says. So basically, this is a command Jesus gives, and he seems to be saying something like, you need to pick one or the other. Either you follow me fully, or you go and bury your father. He's basically saying you've got to pick one. He says, Follow me and leave the dead to bury their dead. Now, Jesus here uses the word dead in two different ways in the same sentence. It's a clever Jewish way of teaching. He basically says, Those who are spiritually dead, so that's those who are focusing on the things of the world and have not accepted the kingdom message, they can bury the physically dead. So it's the responsibility of the spiritually dead to bury the physically dead. So, in other words, in this case, the rest of the man's family are not believers. And they're spiritually dead, basically. So Jesus says those people in his family who are spiritually dead can bury his father when he dies. Leave it to them to do that. Now, there's another explanation here about what Jesus means by leave the dead to bury their dead. Some scholars think that the dead here refers to all of Israel. Maybe Jesus is thinking of all of Israel as dead due to their impending judgment in 70 AD. So if you look at Luke 13 and Luke 19, Jesus is constantly basically saying that Israel is being judged. It's about to happen. So maybe he sees Israel as good as dead. And that certainly would fit with the theology of the New Testament. Perhaps Jesus here means leave the Israelites, the non-believing Israel, to go on as they have been going. Either way, though, this might raise some questions about is Jesus being a bit harsh here when he doesn't let the man bury his father? Burial was a very important duty in Judaism. And Jesus does not deny that it's actually important. In fact, the Catholic Church teaches that burying the dead is a corporal work of mercy. So Christians and Catholics are expected to bury the dead. It is a good thing. Jesus' point, though, is that while he's alive and while he's walking the planet, following him is an even greater thing to be doing than burying the dead. So he's not saying burying the dead is bad in itself, but there is a more important thing while he's alive. It's even more intense than that, really, because at that time in history, only consecrated Jews called Nazarites were exempt from the obligation to bury their parents. If you look at Numbers chapter 6, it says that only Nazarites are exempt from being required to bury their parents. So this in itself indicates the extraordinary importance of Christ's call to discipleship during his ministry. Normally, there's no exceptions to burying your parents, but Jesus says, following me is more important than those things. Jesus' followers are called to be set apart in a radical way to serve in God's kingdom. That's clearly the implication. So that's what Jesus has to say to this man. Now, in Luke's version, it actually adds an extra line. Jesus goes on to say to the man, Your duty is to go and spread the news of the kingdom of God. And then in Luke's version, we learn about a third person who comes up to Jesus, promising to follow him, but only conditionally. He basically says, Let me say goodbye to my parents first. And then Jesus says... Once the hand is laid on the plough, no one who looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. So Luke gives us a more complete version, apparently, of what happens on this occasion. Of course, it could be that all three of these encounters happened on different days. In any case, if you want to hear this longer version that Luke gives us, you can hear that on Wednesday of week 26 in Ordinary Time, and you might like to look through the podcast archives to find that one. Now, straight after this, remember what happened at the start of this story, Jesus ordered them to get into the boat and go across the other side. Well, straight after this, that's what happens. The disciples get into the boat to go to the other side, and that's when uh, the storm happens and Jesus has to calm the storm. So that's the very next thing that happens. They get in the boat to cross and the storm gets whipped up in the Sea of Galilee. And we'll look at that in the coming days. Let's now turn to the Catechism, and there's just one place where we see this reference. Paragraph 2444 is about love for the poor. Here's what it says. The Church's love for the poor is part of her constant tradition. This love is inspired by the gospel of the Beatitudes, of the poverty of Jesus, and of his concern for the poor. Love for the poor is even one of the motives for the duty of working, so as to be able to give to those in need. It extends not only to material poverty but also to the many forms of cultural and religious poverty. So that's that paragraph of the Catechism and right at the end there it talks about and right at the end there it talks about how Christians have a duty to love not just the physically poor but those who are spiritually uh, religiously and culturally poor and there's a reference here to, Matthew chapter 8, where Jesus talks about, let the dead bury their dead. So remember Jesus there is talking about the spiritually dead. Well, the catechism says that we need to love the spiritually dead and minister to them. So it's an interesting connection. Thanks for listening today. I hope you've learned something new and we'll continue with Matthew in the coming days.